welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Graphic Novels Review Editor for Publishers Weekly, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And on Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. Okay, this week on More to Come, Bad Week at Marvel. And some good stuff, too. Uh, um, the Mocha Arts Festival 2017. Uh, the, the shuttering of comics, the Comics Alliance blog. And this month's bestseller list. So, uh, Bad Week at Marvel. Yeah. How do we start? Well, I was, <laughs> I think I start. I think I might have alluded to this last time we were all talking. Remember how I think I said that Marvel was doing a retailer summit. I yes, got, you yes, did. Yeah, you did. Remember? You did remember? I told. Remember? Yes. remember you told that? us. Remember that? But bad sales numbers out of Marvel certainly isn't news. Well, I, you know, here's what happened. The so, last few months have been rough. But I, you know, we've all. But this is the big story. So Marvel has been shoring things up. They yes. have been doing, as I think I, I mentioned. Uh, conference calls with retailers. They have been, uh, you know, talking to a lot of people. The response has been very positive from retailers. And then for their big one, they decided to do a retailer summit in New York at their offices, something they haven't done in 20 years. Um, they invited, I believe it's 14 uh, retailers uh, from top 300 accounts. And um, they also invited a reporter to cover it, Milton Greep mm. of ICV2. Now, I believe they did this because Milton has talked to Dan Buckley and David Gabriel, the sales director of Marvel. Dan Buckley is the publisher mm-hmm. uh, many times before with a very yes. – uh, he's sort of the guy who gets to talk to them. And yeah. and Uncle Milty looks so harmless. He does look <laughs> – well, he was harmless. Yeah. But, you know, this is where things get a little bit weird. So, I mean, having uh, – from what I understand, Milton was told – uh, that all the story details were off the record, <laughs> but but there was there <laughs> was a day a there was yeah. <laughs> a day of very frank talk between retailers and uh. Marvel, and I'm like this is amazing, and I think the reason why Marvel mm. wanted Milton to report on it is because they wanted to reach more than the 14 people in sure. that room. Yeah. What they hoped was a positive message. I see. However, there was a problem, and it actually like people are like, oh, it was off the record. You know, it wasn't off the record. Mm. Like there were Greep ran three pieces. There was two a two part report on the roundtable. And then there was a one-part interview with Dave Gabriel, and that's where yeah. all the trouble began. And who's you know, Dave and Gabriel he, again? Let's just he is the, the head sales guy at. Yeah. Uh, I think he's the senior VP of marketing yeah. and sales and, and at he does, Marvel. He, he sort of oversees the book trade. Sales yes, he does. He is the years. he is the highest yeah. salesperson at Marvel. He oversees the comic shop market mm. uh, and the book sales market, and. Um, you know, the Comics Pro gave him an award last year. I would say he is a figure of long simmering yes, controversy. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. there's always been, yeah. uh, you know, retailers hated David Gabriel for a long time. They hated him until Bob Wayne retired from Marvel, <laughs> uh, from DC. And then suddenly David became their guy. He's the only one because he listens to them and he understands them. Yeah. So, you know, every, the retailers who were at the summit were NDA'd, uh, off the wazoo, uh, no I was wasn't. told by a few that it was great. It was so positive. They came out of it mm. feeling so good. 
and then something terrible happened. <laughs> yeah, and it's one thing to say, oh, things are off the record, but if you give a reporter an interview, clearly you're not expecting that interview to be off the record. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, you know, the thing is, I, so, so in the interview, Gabriel reported what we've been hearing. Yeah. He reported that retailers really want to get the old characters back yeah. they want all the white men back they want white thor they want yeah. bruce banner they want, the they want peter parker yeah. they want iron man you know every single one of marvel's core characters has been replaced by a a more diverse um you know people use the term legacy character some they say that's the old one some say it's the new one yeah. so i don't even know it's like the fans themselves can't decide but anyway you know they've all been replaced by other women um, Latinas, yeah. um, you know, Tolk is Korean yeah. now. Cool black chicks. Cool black <laughs> chicks, you know, Riri Williams yes, sure. is Iron Man. Sure. And there's been uh, some excitement, but, you know, we all, I think Shannon said this in her piece, didn't she? This, yes, like, retailers the, yes, said. They, yeah. now, now, they told, they talked to Shannon, uh, I mean, it was framed in a different way as far as Shannon's reporting. Right. That, yes, they wanted core characters. They thought the core characters um, had they they were gone and fans were asking for them and and they were unhappy with the stories not necessarily the purely the diversity aspect of it but they were unhappy with many of the stories that were coming in they felt that there was too much emphasis on the movies right uh, and movie tie-ins and they were tired of events right and crossovers yes yes uh, yes to be fair to David um, like if you actually read the actual physical, uh, you know, if you diagram the sentence, what he says isn't that bad. But of course, I mean, I read this, I was lying in bed and I saw this came up in my feed and I was like, oh, I can't wait to read this interview. I said, boy, it's going to be interesting. And then I read this paragraph and mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, it's on, it's on, it's on. <laughs> yes. So, you know, but, uh, but everybody quoted this one. We yeah. This is what David said. We saw the sales of any character that was, okay, I'm going to go back. Milton asked, now the million dollar question, why did these tastes change? Because what David said is that last um, fall, suddenly everything they'd done that had always worked stopped working. Their taste changed. And uh, Greep asked, why did those tastes change? Uh, Gabriel replies, I don't know if that's a question for me. I think that's a better question for retailers who are seeing all publishers. What we heard was that people didn't want any more diversity. They didn't want female characters out there. That's what we heard, whether we believe that or not. I don't know that that's really true, but that's what we saw in mm. sales. We saw the sales of any character that was diverse, any character that was new, our female characters, anything that was not a core Marvel character, people were turning their nose up against. That was difficult for us because we had a lot of fresh, new, exciting ideas that we were trying to get out, and nothing new really worked. Now, I want to say everybody's quoted these two paragraphs. They don't quote the third paragraph, which to me mm -hmm. is the dog whistle. Okay, this is a dog whistle statement mm. from David. Okay, so that's my theory. Yeah. The next statement, the next paragraph, and, and he had a correction, which I'll get to, but this yes, was the, the original piece. This was yes, the third. Yes. It was the old things coming back in that time period. Three books in particular, Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, that had Spider-Man and Mary Jane married. That worked. The Venom book worked, and the Thanos book worked. You can take what you want out of who might be enjoying those three books, <laughs> but it's definitely a specific type of comic book reader, comic book collector, that really liked those three series. So he is saying, really, in this, it's it, like I said, it's a dog whistle yeah, oh yeah. to the old middle-aged yeah, white, white male dude. traditional yeah. collectors that you know they dc the exact same thing happened to dc 
they did DCU. Those guys left. Okay, well, yeah. let's go back, you know, to all the way things were. Oh, they, wow, I love it. It's my DC again. Yeah. Now, well, oh, go ahead, Kate. That I would say with uh, Rebirth, we saw a lot of other people coming back as well, not yes. just hardcore old school collectors. Um, you know, fans, just regular, relatively newish fans had um, felt sad that a lot of the character interactions and the things other than punching people had fallen by the wayside. Mm. And they were looking for that same kind of relationshipy stuff again. Mm. Right. That right. is to yes. say, yes. women. Yes. Yeah. Were uh, female fans, I specifically heard a lot of, I miss when the characters liked each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they liked that the characters liked each other again. Mm. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's been sort of key to DC's uh, yeah. success. They've mm -hmm. kind of brought back all the elements that they dropped. Uh, right. And so it's not just, 52. Right. you know, a hardcore 50-year-old collector white male. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I, I mean, if you if you read the, the, the statement, the three paragraphs that I just quoted, mm -hmm. I do think that I, I would definitely call it a dog whistle. Mm -hmm. I would call it a dog whistle to those retailers who are saying we need to shore up our base. And our base is these 50-year-old white men. Okay. And now afterwards, David, so so basically after this got out, and, you know, I was the first to report it, by the way. I was the first. I was I mean, the other first. than Milty. Yes, uh, exactly. I was the first, like, it was out there for six whole hours before anyone paid any attention until I wrote about it. But then, uh, you know, the minute uh, another website that we all know got a hold of it, and then they had, like, four people writing. I mean, it's just like they've written about 20 stories, yes. all of them linking to oh, their yeah. own stories about this. And I was just like, you know, read it in context. Read it yourself. Uh, you know, it's called analysis. But anyway, as soon as that got out, the headline was, you know, diversity is killing our sales. Yeah. Which isn't quite not it exactly, exactly what it exactly what well, was he kind of wanted said, it both ways but he, a little bit. he did he he, <laughs> he wanted, wanted it both ways but he, he the, the, a correction just to to, to for out of fairness uh david gabriel did correct the statement yes, did, yes. initial discussed candidly by some of the retailers at the summit we heard that some were not happy with the false abandonment of the core Marvel heroes Contrary to what, so David uh, Gabriel continues, contrary to what some said about the characters not working, the stick, sticking factor of popularity for a majority of these new titles and characters, like Squirrel Girl, Ms. Marvel, The Mighty Thor, Spider-Gwen, Miles Morales, and Moon Girl, continue to prove that our fans and retailers are excited about these new heroes. And let me be clear, our new heroes are not going anywhere. We are proud and excited to keep introducing unique characters that reflect new voices and new experiences into the Marvel Universe and pair them with our iconic heroes. We have also been hearing from stores that welcome and champion our new characters and titles and want more they've invigorated their own customer base and helped them grow their stores because of it so we're getting both sides of the story and the only upcoming change we're making is to ensure that we don't lose focus of our core heroes although i will say if you know which characters he highlights as being positive new characters yes. none of them were brought in as a direct replacement to a disgraced or seemingly well, dead hero. That's not true. The mighty Thor was. Uh, Lady Thor was. Okay. Okay. One. And I would say yeah, that right. that yeah. Miles Morales and well, and the, that's, yes. you had two Spider Men. Uh, yes. So yeah, that wasn't really. Did, did he mention Falcon? Didn't no, he didn't no. mention Captain America. No. no. And Falcon's not new. But Cap is back. Well, Falcon also. isn't new. But no. but I mean, Cap is back except he works for Hydra. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. so you know. Uh, so again, if more you on that. if you read what David said, I mean, he was trying to play it both ways. But of course, the internet firestorm over this was insane. Okay. And I mean, I think a lot of people got the point 
that what he was saying was that yes there unfortunately there is and and i mean i just i see this on the beat i see this with my own commenters and readers there is unfortunately this intractable as there is in our society there is a group of people who do not want to ex accept these diverse characters and i think there's I, i'm just gonna say one more then i want to hear what you guys have to say about this okay but but you know there was other things in this interview that also created a lot of controversy um or in the report i mean this was the one that set it all off but um there was also uh axel alonso saying that uh marvel thinks that artists don't sell books it's like you know they just don't move the needle i don't understand why it's like well you don't put you know don't and promote the, them they don't promote them yeah. you don't you have new artists and everything and it's just yeah. like that also ignited a separate firestorm yeah. and so but i mean the message has I, I you know all of it's become i mean there's a lot of pieces out there I, i'm, I'm going to reference some of them uh, in a few moments. But anyway, Calvin and Kate, what's your take on this? <laughs> Kate, you want to go first? Uh, Calvin, do you want to go first? Because I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings. <laughs> you know what, Kate? Well, I want to hear what you... Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I don't really have any piercing insight. Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. And, okay. and you're a real you're a real. Yeah, you're at ground level, not like, so, not you know, like and me. I, yeah, I kind of yeah. check in and check out. Well, part of it is, I think, the way they brought these characters in. Because a lot of fans I know female fans, big, hardcore superhero fans, uh, have been very bitter about the fact that in order to bring in this new character, they were kind of setting them up for fall and insulting old characters. Right. So your, you know, Thor wouldn't be Thor anymore. Somebody else gets to be Thor instead of it being, I don't know, being positive to the old character and positive to the new character. They didn't do that. It was like, here, we're going to take away what you like, a character you already care about, and put somebody else in. Which, of course, is setting up the new character for a fall. It was almost like Marvel was was setting this up. Right. I mean, they weren't consciously. I'm sure they weren't consciously. But instead, it was like old way versus new diversity instead of old way plus new diversity. Right. Well, yeah. And that... Just makes for unhappy fans, right? And I, I, I mean, just, I, I just find that really quickly. I mean, we've talked, we've argued on this podcast many times. You know, to me, as a you know comics reader for more than forty years, it's like, oh, the hero's dead. There's a replacement. Well, yawn, wake me when they're back. You know, I've right, seen it a billion times, but it's always it, somebody's first time. And well, right, exactly. but it's not even and that. I was and about new, to say the and same new thing. readers don't like that. Yeah. Well, even even pre-existing readers like who would want the new a new diverse character don't like it this way because they know perfectly well that this character is going to be kicked out right. in five issues and we may never see them again. You know, it's hard to invest your heart or care in a character who you know is like a like six issue spectacular band-aid and will probably vanish. Right. Well, I, I will say in Marvel's that they've stuck with a lot of these characters for years. Okay. They've stuck with like, you know, like the Hulk, Bruce Banner's been dead for years. And, um, you know, Logan is dead now. Uh, but anyway, yeah. But I mean, it, you know, people, for the same thing you go, the yawn, wake me right, up when right. it changes. Yes, exactly. Like, you're not alone in that. Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting in this because, I mean, they did they did seem to turn this into a zero-sum game. You yeah, know, yes, you know, it, absolutely. You can't have a new one unless we get rid of the old one. It shouldn't uh, be I'm like that. Sure. I mean, I always assumed that this was their way of channeling new readers into these new characters. Because I think we all know the high mortality rate of just creating a new character and sitting. But them this out is there a higher new, own This book. is a higher mortality rate. I mean, well, I mean, look once again. Many of these characters are still here. They, it's going on. They've tried. I mean, I'm trying to give them credit for trying to make it work. 
even if it isn't. At the same time, many fans are criticizing them because uh, uh, maybe a little bit naively because they were they were transforming old characters into different ethnic versions of the previous character. Right. And so many new fans actually want original characters. We even if those yeah. original characters now, well, may but, not survive but, financially. Well, what's interesting is what they're doing as their big fix it is mm. they're going to have an event called Generations right. where they have the old character who led the title and the new character who led the title. And maybe that's what they should have done from the first part is put these characters in these popular books and grown I, their fan base I, the I way DC so. did with Batwoman. I the think way, so. you know. I mean, mm. as an as an classic old fart fan, even when I heard about um you know, I remember when uh you know, uh, what's it uh what's the name? Uh Michael uh Jordan was cast in Fantastic 4, even for me, and I was thinking, wow, black guy playing Johnny Storm, this is great. Even for me, I had a there was a pause because I'm thinking, what? But he was still Johnny Storm. <laughs> he was still Johnny Storm. That didn't bother me at all. But I'm just giving, I'm just trying to uh, provide some insights yeah. in the way maybe some other fans who are completely rejecting these kinds of changes in the comics. Even I, who were happy to see a black Johnny Storm, I it gave me pause for a moment. Well, and I said, you know what? I'll get used yeah. to it. You know, that. <laughs> listen, everybody has used this, this as a dog whistle, as clickbait, okay? Because the people who don't like Marvel in general just teed off on it, okay? Yeah. But, but I mean, to me, the takeaway, you know, well, one of the takeaways was in reading these comments and reading Marvel and the retailers was really that um, they weren't, they haven't really addressed, you know, what made their books fail you know yeah. i mean it's like yeah. that like they there's no question it's your fault it, it is that my book didn't sell right but i mean there is a lot of you know marvel has definitely just eroded their own customers um you know faith in them or enjoyment in yeah. them and you know part of it is that they don't pay the rates they used to and the artists aren't as mm -hmm. good i mean that's why they don't push artists anymore they can't afford good mm -hmm. artists well and also part of it is I mean, we talk about event fatigue, but people aren't tired of good events. But mm -hmm. Marvel's last few events have been copies of previous events that aren't even as good. And like I have, and they're frequent too. They're they're very very frequent. And I I mean I know a lot of Marvel zombies, and just none of them have been feeling like Civil War two or <laughs> Secret something or other. You know, I mean it, it's it, there's a lot to be said. For the quality of the product driving sales. Absolutely. And if the quality of the product goes down, the sure. sales go down too. And maybe this is a good point to bring in G. Willow Wilson. Yes. Who I think addressed both I, I, I agree. comments and also brought in some of the other problems that Mar that we're talking about right now that, yeah. that Marvel editorial has had. So I, I mean, I don't have the thing in front of me. If but we should take a second, her, I'll bring the thing her up. Her immediate response was to really say... Uh, you know, well, the, one of the main yeah, things that she on, said please, was on. that that what the the real story here was uh, the 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 ascendance of YA comics, and yes. also that she was like basically she was saying you know this is a bookstores versus versus comic shops thing you know which a lot of people were were also pointing out and um, she was uh, I, hey, absolutely she did mention that the, the, the rise of the book. Yeah. And the importance of the book sales market. She talked about this is the moment for YA graphic novels in general. Yes. That wasn't being addressed by Marvel. Uh, but she also talked about how um, there's some rumors about, you know, for instance, Miss Marvel being part of some diversity initiative. Uh, there, she addressed assumptions about how this character 
was created right. and its popularity. And she also mentioned interesting that I thought that there was such a low bar of success set for Miss Marvel. Right. That it actually allowed them it's to actually grow. Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel is something yes, different. Yeah, oh, Marvel. yes, yes, yeah. Um, it, it, it's Ms. Marvel, right? It's Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Ms. Marvel. Um, uh, I was trying to say that, but my yeah. <laughs> my after five accent goes another direction. That um, it allowed them to nurture it and build it because they actually did have a low bar of success until they moved into the you know the rarefied atmosphere of being a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, times I know, over. but you know, she just one of the things she says. Also, is that uh, to you know? The, she says diversity as a form of perf- as a form of performative guilt doesn't work. Let's scrap the word diversity entirely yes. and replace it with authenticity and realism. This yes. is not a new world. This is the world. Um, you know, and, yes, and, very yes, uh, and, and I think that's a really good point. It, I mean, this word diversity is being used against its pro- proponents and uh, and against well, its antagonists. But all words like that become... They harden they become into, And then they come... You know, into, they, the meaning is yes. degraded and then they come back or they don't make a, a comeback. I mean, you know, a lot. one thing that I saw so many people saying is like, oh, Marvel needs to market more of these books. You know, Marvel didn't market these books. And, you know, but... I, and this again, this is what David Gabriel was his little ding. You know, he was trying to ding some of the critics and it burnt him big time. But... um. You know, people's like, oh, why didn't they push Mosaic? Now, Mosaic is a book that they launched about, what is it, last summer? That started new, brand new African-American lead yeah. was written by uh, an African-American uh, writer and had an African-American artist. So it was as diverse as diverse could be. And I got to tell you, they marketed the hell out of this book. Mm. They had a debut in EW. They mm. had stories. They had free mm. previews everywhere. They put a free preview in the back of some of their other books. I mean, they did everything they could to... Uh, promote mosaic now there was one tiny problem with it and you know i don't think the writer was very good i mean we've talked about some of these other books yeah. on here where they yeah. have writers let's just say perhaps writers from outside the comics industry that maybe that, haven't mastered the form yes and you know willow wilson g willow wilson is an award-winning novelist mm-hmm. she was a novelist before she started writing comics but she's been writing comics for about yeah. 10 12 years she yeah. is a veteran and she's just a really great writer mm-hmm. you know she's good she's good yeah and um i think there's lots of um i think there's lots of women and people of color who have been in comics a long time and i think they should be given shots over this flash in the pan kind of like you know new day stuff but uh you know it didn't like i i mean this was one point that that i you know i got digging for when i brought it up is you know but this is what david was trying to say is that diversity isn't just enough you know, like, yes. uh, but, but yeah, guess what? Well, dude? he didn't say that, there, though. Well, there's a different part where he kind of said that. But yeah. the point is, you've got to have good books. And Marvel's books haven't been very strong. Yeah. And frankly, I think that that's what, you know, the this whole new world of new readers who want diversity, they're saying the same thing. They right. want that, good books. They yes. want good books. We want good yes. books. You can't just, like, make a character blackface. Right. And it's exactly. okay. And that's what G. Willow Wilson was talking you know? about. You know, so, you know... You know, we're we're probably not in opposite camps, and I do agree. Look, I like the core Marvel characters too. I mean, that's these are the characters that made me excited about comics. Mm-hmm. I want new, diverse characters and diverse storylines in Marvel comics. But you know, the, yeah, and you know this. But I, I, I you know, I got two, I got four <laughs> words for you though. I got four yeah. words. This is which is Barry Allen and Wally West. It's like you know, the history of comics is up until the 
well, not, I mean, including the current era. It's just a, her, a, a, a history of people ripping themselves off, <laughs> well, this is you true. know, and cannibalizing their own ideas. I mean, Stan Lee did it with the Marvel U. Mm. You know, the Human Torch was an old character. Sure. He had a new Human Torch. Yeah. He, there so, was, you know, Johnny Storm replaced the original Human yeah, Torch. Yeah, right. There but, was another one. But yeah. I think... The thing is that you can get away with it when no one loves the old one. Well, you can get away with it before the internet. Can you imagine if this was to happen now? <laughs> well, no, because it actually happens a lot now, only with really, really super minor characters that nobody has cared about for 50 years. Right. And then they can swipe a character from, you know, well, that's what they did with Batwoman. You yeah. know, they can swipe a character yeah. who was who was big 50 years ago and no one cares about now and then do something funky different with them. But with a character that people who are currently reading comics now care about, it's at that point that you have a flashpoint. Yes. I think also now we're in a period where these some of these older forgotten characters, I mean, it's become such a, a, a standard like a, approach now to actually re to take these characters and then give them a kind of a really interesting backstory to kind of actually bring them out of the background yeah. and put them in the foreground. And that's become a very successful... And that's popular. People yeah, like very that. Popular. People like characters that maybe we didn't pay attention. We're finding out in more in-depth information about them and, and making them more important to the narrative. So there are lots of strategies for how to make this thing work better than it has in the past. And maybe Marvel just needs to start doing that. Well, and it sounds like they've started on well, that and, road. And also, one thing that I saw pointed out by a lot of fans who were mad about this is they were looking – they broke down the sales charts. Mm -hmm. yes. And they were looking at it and they were saying it isn't just the ones that have new women or new diverse <laughs> characters. Like most of their new books, even the ones about – white men yes are not doing well absolutely and i mean that this, it's just yes, marvel's not doing is, well and to pin it on diversity is to miss the larger picture but, but but you know again i i agree and that's a very strong argument you know i would actually say that david did not say that he did not blame it all on diversity but i mean but he I'll, was but, pointing out that people wanted bruce banner back yeah. but the, that's that 50 year old but, men wanted but bruce. the most that's inflammatory true, but, remarks but, yes. are going to be but, but yeah. even focused so, in on the diversity yes. even comments. so other people, yes. regardless of David Gabriel's guilt or innocence, we will put that to yes. the side. Other people were saying, yeah, you know, this diversity thing, I don't know, man, this is driving it into the ground. And, you know, when you look at the numbers, that's not exactly the problem. Um, you know, I'm just, well, I mean, for example, if you look at the Captain America Hydra thing. Yes. Sold well first issue sales tanked thereafter um because it's annoying because it's annoying and because people got annoyed by it right because that's not what people want out of captain america that's not what people put down their three dollars and 99 cents for and so they're not going to buy it they're going to buy something else now that strategy is not unusual well no to do that but, but maybe they picked the wrong character to well do they they for, you know in my view but that i mean they got it's, me into a rage it's it's symptomatic of of just the books they've been putting out for the last couple of years have just maybe not been up to their old standards. Yes. And I, I would I would say that to me, the biggest, most alarming thing about all this is that Marvel really doesn't understand why their readers are abandoning them. And it's not just the old readers, though. No, see, it's that's the, the new thing. ones. It's the new ones. See, and that, see, that is David's real, David Gabriel's huge like blind spot is that he isn't acknowledging that the new readers are abandoning Marvel too. So that's why they have a real problem. 
And, and, you know, in the olden days, it would be like, you know, I've said this on this, this podcast so many times, but you know, it's the Howard Stern effect. You know, people hate that. Normally people hate that Capus Hydra. That just meant they would keep reading it just to see what happened, you know, so that they could vent their rage. That doesn't happen anymore. There's too much other choice. That's why. Because there's other good stuff. Why do you read the thing you don't like? You just move on to other stuff. I'd I'd like to call out two other pieces because, uh, you know, I talked about this. We're we're going to talk about our our Mocha weekend in a little bit, but you know, I was there are other things. Yes, uh, but I was at Mocha, uh, this, uh, and of course, people were talking about this, and I noticed that there was two different things. Like, if I talked to a white man about it, he was like, 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 what kind of what I'm saying, only so much further. It's like, yeah. well, you know, the fans just don't want to see what what's going on. They don't, just don't want to listen to marketing realities. I mean, kind of really, completely, like, you know, yeah. shunting it off. Uh, and The and, fans don't want to listen to marketing realities? Yes. Nobody yes. wants a complex picture. Yes. Everybody wants to, like, make yes. it one way or the other exactly way. now i would say that the smartest take on this is uh is rob salkowitz our our friend rob often, wrote a piece yeah. on another piece on icv2 called uh uh that is uh is called um marvel's problem isn't diversity it's much bigger and it's not just marvel's problem where he really talks about some of these issues with comic mm-hmm. shops and all that um the other piece is really uh for the prosecution uh, by J.A. Micheline for The Guardian of all places uh, yeah. called Marvel Superheroes Aren't Just for White Men. True Diversity Could Boost so- Sales. And she wrote, lays out really, um, all, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the problems with Marvel. Yeah, you know, although one thing that she does say is that she boycotts Marvel. She's boycotting Marvel because she doesn't feel that their efforts towards diversity are sincere. Yeah, I know. She's said that for she's a while. She's said that many for times. And she's, a, she, you know, she's stuck by her principles and, you know, more power to her. But I mean, this is what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, this is why the frustrating thing for Marvel. I mean, this is the attitude that, that David Gabriel, I believe, was trying to ding. He was mm. trying to say, well, you're not reading, you know, yeah. you're, well, we're not yeah. diverse yeah. enough. So, of course, yeah. they're not going to survive. Yeah. But, I mean, he doesn't understand that this is a real rejection. Well, yeah. And also, I think there's a very frustrating thing when you want, when you say, hey, um, wouldn't it be great if there were more gay comics? And then some people put out some really crappy gay comics and you don't buy them because they're crappy then people go oh well uh you know it's either a they say oh it's your duty to buy this comic because it represents <laughs> your demographic you well, should buy it and it's like well that, maybe not because it's crappy really work, it doesn't because things don't work like that because there's a limit to how much people are going to guilt buy stuff right yeah right you have to give them a product they actually enjoy yeah. even if it's not the best in the world it has to be enjoyable absolutely you know, and I mean, this, this whole thing goes to the, to the core of the matter. You know, I was talking to a highly placed comic book source over the weekend and this person opined that if we don't do something, there won't even be a direct market in 10 years. Now, I think that's a very pessimistic viewpoint. Yeah. What to freaking do? Yeah. You, it, know? you know, any business that cannot take yeah. care of itself without... Like Although, drumming its chest and going, pity me. Well, that's true. Productions of the is end not a working of the direct business. market yes. are frequent. And, as yeah. as and, is the end of the comics industry. Yes. So, yeah. I'll I'll buy that. I'll buy that in that. a bridge in Brooklyn. Yeah. Right. Come yeah on. I don't know about that, but you know, look, these are issues. We're going to continue to talk about them, but I mean, I think the biggest danger we face is, is oversimplifying this diversity issue as either you know, diver- you know, uh, the new fans, you know want everything just like turned black and brown and gay 
uh, and the, the the other side is is no the, the other side is pretty rigid. But you know, I do think you know there's got to be some kind of 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 complicated and sophisticated response by the publishers I mean, because it's yeah. a new world. Yes, and it is. I mean, but there's absolutely no question about that. We do need more. Yes. more voices that represent the real world you know there's i i i i'm agree with g will wilson i mean i'm done with the word diversity but you know uh i mean other people call it representation but i mean absolutely we need more creators out there and and you who know. are doing books and who are getting a chance to do it which is which is hard yeah. you know well, yeah. it's hard it takes I, time to develop really good talent it does but one thing i also think is that marvel is missing a beautiful opportunity of of what the internet brings to you and what modern big data science brings to you and what what just listening to people and asking them and questionnaireing and looking at sales in granular detail that you can do with computers now that if <laughs> if you are incapable well, of if you are incapable of doing it the old fashioned way of figuring out what fans like then now thanks to the magic of technology you could ask them what they liked, or you could look at the sales and data analyze it or something. I feel like Marvel has has lost, I think it can get it back, and it probably will, but has lost its touch for really understanding readers mm-hmm. and their I enjoyment. Just don't think, I don't think they, they're reading their data right, because they're, they're obviously, you can't be a modern company the size of Marvel and not be doing this kind of well, stuff. But, I'm saying but whatever, I don't think that they're getting the answers. I don't think it. they're getting... And maybe it's the people who are reading and looking at the data. But, but clearly, there's no doubt that they need more diversity, and they need to be balance that against, you know, their their core group. But mm-hmm. I think even the even the newer readers want these. Well, I, I think I think is I don't think the old readers and the new readers and what they want are really that different or insoluble a problem. Yeah. I mean, there will be some books that only new readers will like, and some books that only old readers will like. But there's a lot of crossover. It's it's not rocket science. I mean, you look at you know dc rebirth and they're clearly pulling it off it can be done it's not like they i basically tldr i don't think it's two diametrically opposed groups i think i think they're being a little tone deaf at marvel yes and they and, need to take a yeah, step back I, I think the fact that they don't face the press very much and they don't you know there there's really no spokesman for marvel you know i mean you they might hear like axel to to. or tom brevoort yeah. at conventions and and their words you know they're very much they're very controversial among fans as, as they would always be but, you know among uh i mean there's a pretty bad reputation for uh nick spencer and, and dan slot you know they're both you know terrible on social media and and they're constantly being dinged. I mean, Marvel does not have a friendly face out there who was like the good cop and all this. And, yeah. and, and you know, well, that's because I mean, they're doesn't... arrogant. They're arrogant as hell. Well, and Marvel Because they're Marvel. Okay. Yeah, and Marvel... For a long time. <laughs> okay. And, and one thing listeners may not know is Marvel is not interested even in critic feedback. They don't send out review copies except in very rare cases. And I could understand if they sent out digital ones, but they don't even do that. Well, they do, actually. They just started a program to do that. Just now. But yes. typically, yes. this is not what they historically do. Yes. That, well, they have been... See, here, there's the other they thing. They send out a couple they once do. in a while. But we do like not... Like Poe Dameron, right, whatever. We do not know what uh, 
Marvel's business. There's a lot at Marvel that is very secret and very hidden. And, you know, we've talked enough about Ike Perlmutter here. You know, hey, he's Trump's best friend. I mean, you know, and reportedly a racist and a bigot. And maybe this does have something to do with him. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things we don't know. We don't know. We get, it's, This is like a neutrino or neutron. We can only see its path. We <laughs> yeah. can't see the neutron. Well. So, but but I I do believe this. I do believe that most people at Marvel and DC are very aware of the demographics of their audience. They realize that if they rely on a rapidly aging, uh, forty to fifty year old reader, that they are not going to be around for yes. long. Yes. So, um, you know, something's going to give. <laughs> so, so uh, so I hear Marvel is actually taking some positive steps as well. They are, um, as I mentioned. Um, they're doing a Generations comeback event where they will yes. bring back yep. the traditional no, heroes great. and pair them with the newer heroes to sort of be like, do you like peanut butter? Do you like jelly? Maybe you like peanut butter and oh, jelly. Boy, that is so hot. That was a great <laughs> idea. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's a terrific idea. I, I, I think it's pretty obvious, and I'm glad they're taking this step. Yeah. Um, and then also... They are, uh, after the big controversy about them discontinuing their free comic codes at the back of the Marvel comic books and just giving you some book they want to promote that's totally unrelated, um, once again, when you buy a Marvel issue, it'll have a digital code for that very same book because they listened to fans who felt very strongly on the subject. And that is a smart move. And I believe that they're actually continuing the second program that they had, which... You know, and this is a total Marvel thing. I mean, this is Marvel in a nutshell. They had this free digital comic that turned out a lot of people liked, but I guess they thought that it wasn't moving the needle, as they put it. So they said, let's use every issue to promote this other thing that we're promoting as part of our marketing. And guess what? Fans were like, you're just marketing some crap to me, and I want my digital comic back. So now they're doing both programs. So, you know, you listen and you learn. But, you know, that to me, in a nutshell, is how Marvel is really out of touch with what their readers and their audience really wants right now. Yeah. So, well, anyway, you know, we always say that, um, you know, we sit here, we can complain and people can say, uh, you know, Marvel sucks and DC sucks and all this stuff. But but why would you read? Why wouldn't you curse the darkness instead of lighting a candle at Mocha? Because we did spend the weekend at Mocha Festival. And, you know, when you see the joy and happiness and great comics coming out, it's like, why would you continue to battle over something that you don't like? uh, Well, Heidi, I would say that most comic fans both curse the darkness and go seeking the light at once because you can buy more than one comic at the comic book store. And that's why Image is doing so well. that's right. Because people are embracing books they do like over the books that they're currently angry about on Twitter. Well, going to Mocha, though, is that going to a parallel universe where all the stuff we're talking about is actually being happening? It's not a theory. Yeah, if you were an alien who <laughs> yeah. had dropped down into Mocha, you would think that comics were just for girls. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that, you know, you know, the, the, the diversity thing could be a little bit better even at Mocha. But you know what? They're, they're there. There's all kinds of comics there. People of all kinds of backgrounds. Lots of very young people. A yes. lot of They even had the people. high school for art and design had There's a big students table. all over the cra- yeah. places crawling the Crawl- students. Of every kind and variety, and but on the other hand, you have people like acclaimed French comics artist Butch, 
give you know uh, with a long line of people waiting to talk to him. Yeah, and um, uh, uh, Gene Yang though. I mean, he Gene was he Yang, was the superstar. Absolutely. Well, I think it really doesn't hurt that um, the entry price for Mocha for a, a con goer is quite low. Yes, five dollars. And so that way, your average comic loving teenager in New York can say, "Hey, mom, I want to go to Mocha." And mom will go, okay. Yeah. So for for those who don't know, it's the an, the an annual uh, convention of independent uh, comics, uh, indep- independent publishers and self published comics and graphic novels. Um, the second year at the event space that they started in last year, jammed to the gills uh, both days. A record crowd on Saturday, four thousand mm-hmm. right people. Another three thousand on Sunday. Um, well, there's a story up or will be up very soon on pw.com. Um, I, I was there. Uh, I was there. Was gavel. There. We were there gavel to gavel. Yeah. We were there. I mean, I, it's just a pleasure. It's just so much fun to be there. It was like, it's like you, it was like a big moving party. I mean, you couldn't, it was like the world's biggest cocktail party. You couldn't move without just <laughs> running was, into yeah. people you knew everywhere. And it's, you know, it's a little tricky getting to the space, but really once you're there, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, the programming is held at a hotel around the corner, Inc. 48. Uh, the Landmark Tavern is right across the street. Yes, a very you know. popular spot. The, yes, and Saturday there's a night. food mart down the street. Oh, apparently, the also food that mart. apparently is really yes, great too. It was so you great. can get good eats there. Mm. So it's you can circulate. It's very nice. Um, uh, great books there. I interviewed um, Abrams Comics Arts uh, T. Bowie. Uh, about her graphic memoir about being a Vietnamese refugee. Uh, it's called The Best That We Could Do. Uh, New York Times bestseller list while we had the list. Um, uh, who else did I interview? Um, I, well, I didn't interview him, but Mark Siegel was there showing off his new... Mark right. Siegel is the editor and director of First Second, Macmillan's graphic novel unit. He's publishing a really interesting, innovative kids graphic novel series called Five Worlds. The first book, he had advanced copies of the first book. That's published by Penguin Random House. But this is a really interesting book, beautifully illustrated by this team of young illustrators that he and his brother Alexis put together. So this is, he's not drawing it, he's doing the writing, and he's working with these illustrators to, to come up with this collaborative style. It's like Mission Possible, man. Yeah, it's really beautiful. A really beautiful book. More to come. So, um, yeah. Heidi, do you want to chime uh, in here? Yeah, well, I, I, I mean... Uh, I think, as I noted in my piece, it's interesting that Mocha has kind of um, evolved away from being a show where people debut big books. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there were some debuts, but I, it really wasn't where people were saying, oh, my God, so-and-so is here. You know, like publishers absolutely did not bring a lot of big guests. Um, yeah. I would say that, you know, Mocha Fest itself, I mean, there's about six guests uh, you know, Gene Yang, as I mentioned, Cliff Chang, Becky Cloonan, um, David Lloyd. That was actually yeah, a David big Lloyd one, said, very yeah, popular. Yeah. Uh, Drew Friedman. You know, like Europe Comics brought over Blutch and mm-hmm. a um, Polish artist whose name I'm not even going to try to say. I apologize. <laughs> yes. um, I'm not either. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was more like, hey, it's April 1st. Let's get out of the house and go hang out with other people. I mean, there was really that yeah. kind of party vibe to it, I think. Yeah. It was interesting because – but. Because there, well, there are authors. I mean, you know, uh, Gabriel Gabrielle Bells was there mm-hmm. with her debut book. Right, I mean, right. The book flam- didn't debut the, there and, and everything sold is flammable. Out, yes. Sold out. Uh, so there were some. I mean, the Pantheon. They didn't have the authors, but for instance, they had advanced copies of Kirsten Radke's book. Um, what was it called? Imagine wanting only this. Uh, they also had Gengora Tagame's 
new manga, uh, mm-hmm. My Brother's Husband. Right. Both of these, uh, or at least that, the, the, the Game book is absolutely debuting at TCAF. So. Oh, okay. So they, right. they had a few advanced copies. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think it's because people don't need a... Mocha is enough of a big thing because of the population of New York City right. and because of the art comics loving population of New York City that it doesn't need a debut to drive sales or to drive attendance. Right. Like people will pick up the new book by whoever when that person is there or it's there on the table, whether or not it came out like two weeks ago or a month ago. Like they're still psyched. They're still happy to be there. So, and also, you know, I mean, frankly, I've noticed that cons in general and festivals in general the old practice of my new book, which debuts this con, is being less and less of a thing yes. because of the internet. Like, yes. it's just not a thing. It debuts in the store, maybe the same week as the convention or something, but. You know, it's in just some ways you could make the was. case. You could even make the case that Mocha just, like, is the first harbinger of spring. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you want to come out and get some really cool indie comics now. We're mm-hmm. starting today. Yeah. Do you want to go you know. get some great comics, hang out with your friends? Yeah. And, and you know. let's and, do it here in a great location. With, you know, uh, doesn't cost much to get in. Well, I, I've, yeah. I, I yeah, felt it's, that. It's part of the festival circuit. Absolutely. It's an important and festival circuit. And, and I mean, there was different things. I mean, if you read my piece, I did talk to quite a few different publishers. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they all had different, you know, some were like, oh, our sales are great. And others were like, you know, we know the sales aren't going to be as... It's because of the expense. It's so expensive to get into yeah. New York to ship everything there. So they're saying they knew that the book, the show wouldn't make money, but it was just for exposure. Mm. It was to meet with people. It was to see their cartoonists. So there's a lot of different reasons people yeah. go to shows. Um, and, and it's clearly working. You know, I mean, I yes. do think part of it, we can't leave out the incredible work that Anel Miller yeah, does. Yeah, absolutely. The executive director of the Society of Illustrators, which took over... Mocha several years ago. It's a ago. very well-run con It is now. very well-run. And uh, I, I, I noticed, I, I noticed this, I don't, don't mean to be cannibalizing my own story, but, you know, I have my own observations. Um, that one thing that really impressed me was the sponsors that they had. They've yes. always had like SVA and the F- MFA problem, but, you know, Patreon came on as a sponsor yeah. in a very big way. Uh, I was talking to them. Flew uh, in two artists yes, to, they, to yes. show off there, yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, then Risa, which is a pr- printing press. But, um, you know, I, I, I personally, I mean, I just don't feel like this is – you know, rocket science getting sponsors for these comics events. <laughs> well, I mean, as Zanel said in your story, you know, it's like, hey, people right. want to be associated. Well, they with do, comics. they do, and I mean, I think when it goes too far, like at New York Comic Con, where well, we've seen it really, you know, you have to pick sponsors that are actually have at, something to do with what you're selling. They do, and and New York Comic Con has cut way back on that. To be fair, but um, yeah, I thought that was really great because that just means the show is thri- you know, yeah. Yeah. Is, is is financially viable. Well. She's talking about, and we will have some recordings, not a part of this show, but I think uh, in the future. In a future episode, yeah, probably next episode. Um, uh, th- there, you know, she's thinking about a bigger space. It's just the, the, the you know, finding an affordable space uh, that has all the amenities that you need in Manhattan. Yeah. It's a tough one. I think they should leave it there for the, at least the next I three years. I mean, just let happen. it be. Let's let it be for a while. Because it bumped around like for I, a yeah, space, I, I mean, yearly think, basis for a while. And I think that, that everybody seems to have settled into the, to this Metropolitan West very, very comfortably. Yeah. Mm, and the, and everybody agree. liked it. So I agree. Yeah. But yeah, it was great. It was, uh, um, it was, uh, I haven't even read, you know, my loot. I got to go take a loot photo. <laughs> All right. And, and as we said, there'll be some recordings. Uh, I have an interview with with uh, T. Uh, Boy. Uh, you have a Blitch, inter- a Blitch inter- yes, interview. Yes, Blitch. I talked to him. Uh, and I interviewed 
an L. Miller at the end of the show just to uh, get a recap on the weekend. And now for something of a, how will we put this, comics obituary. <laughs> Yet another. Well, we, no- we, have, we have lost a comics news outlet, a beloved one. Comics Alliance didn't have a a a, a re like you know a brought back to life experience. At well, one it was point. living its second life. Yeah, because it that was one killed too. once before. Uh, yeah, it I got mean, it got bought. Yeah, the interesting thing, of course, is that our our former colleague um, uh, Laura Hudson mm-hmm. was like the one of the was the first leader of the site and really gave it its shape and vision. Well, so one of the the first leader of the revamped site. You know, it actually launched on AOL back when they first oh, launched right. blogs uh, back in the old right. and older I, days right. of 2006 or seven. Right, so, so she revived yeah, it. She it, revived. Yes. Well, yes. she was hired to, to make yes. it great, and she did. And she did. Very, very, very influential site. Yeah. Um, really set the tone for modern commerce coverage. Uh, then I went through a couple of other uh, editors, Andy Corey, uh, Caleb Gellner, uh, the last, uh, the one who turned out the lights, Andrew Wheeler, and mm. you know, I mean... It's not new. We've been talking about yeah. this for two years, including our own effort being <laughs> yes. shut down. Yep. yep. And yep. Uh, but I mean, it's sad. It's sad to see another soldier go down. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it was one of the few big budget comics coverage sites that had lots and lots of writers and like a bajillion posts yeah. a day. And and you know, I guess it's not financially viable anymore. Yeah. Which well, is they're sad, they're turning it into a feeder site for their their movie news site. So. Oh, well. Yeah, there you go. Oh, well. Uh, and uh, we'll segue, I guess, at this point. Um, to the, the bestseller best list. Yes. Yeah, so um, what do we have uh, for our monthly graphic novel bestseller this year? Um, I'll, I'm going to run down the list really quickly. Uh, this uh, is the graphic novel bestsellers as of the end of March. And uh, leading off at number one, The Walking Dead, volume 27, The Whisperer War. Number two, One Punch Man, volume 11. Uh, at the number three spot, we have The Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess, Volume 1. Uh, number four, The Legend of Zelda, once again, Majora's Mask, A Link to the Past. Now, this is, I, I haven't read this. I think this is another edition of a different story. Yes or no? I don't know. We'll keep moving. Okay, at number five, Tokyo Ghoul, Volume 11. Uh, at number six, Old Man Logan. That's Mark Millar's, uh, I guess, movie tie-in. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, it was the it was, basis of the movie. The basis of the movie, excuse me. Um, number seven, The Legend of Zelda, Volume 1, Ocarina of Time, Parts 1 and 2. At number eight, Wolverine, Old Man Logan. And number nine, an old favorite, The Killing Joke by Alan Moore, Brian Boland, the deluxe edition. And number 10, uh, The Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Seasons, Oracle of Ages. Now, Calvin, yes. is... Old Man Logan and Wolverine Old Man Logan, two different books? I, you know what? I'm not entirely sure. I'm pretty sure one's hardcover I, and one's soft. Yeah, I see. Oh, this is the same paper. book? That's the case. Um, that is confusing. But the pricing, the pricing is very close. So, um, Oh, maybe it's the new version. Yeah. Uh, hmm, does it have any credits? My, it's got, uh, yeah, well, the credits are the same. Uh, so Mark maybe it's Miller the same book. And Steve McNiven. Yeah, it's the same book. So it's got to be the same book. Um, different editions? Yeah, probably. Uh, yes, actually. One is a 2010 edition, and one is a 2017 edition. Okay, all is clear now. So 
That's another reason, by the way, why Marvel's having problems. They don't just keep their books in print. They have to do new editions with more SKUs, more confusion. And they change the titles. And they change the titles. And then you look on Amazon. You say, I want to buy Old Man Logan. Which one should I buy? buy? Well, there's no one definitive edition. So maybe you throw up your hands and say, screw it. Yeah. Or you say, are these two different comics or the same comic? I don't want to buy it twice. It's kind of odd, yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Yeah. Ah. Now. On to the news. The briefs. Yes. So there's been a lot of crowdfunding in comics, and generally it's a positive thing. But we have a very unusual comic creator crowdfunding thing. Peter David has decided to try to Kickstarter his back taxes. <laughs> worth of unpaid taxes that, you know, he is just throwing himself on the mercy of his fans. Now, I would have thought that being a writer, he would have said, "Uh, I'm having tax problems here. I'm going to write this ebook and pay me money and I'll give it to you. But no, no, none of that. Uh, He just wants money for his taxes. And uh, his fans are giving it to him. (laughs) <laughs> I, I guess I guess he has loving fans. In a good way this time. Yeah. I, I guess I guess, but uh, uh, I I would not Kickstarter my own taxes. Uh, it seems a little tacky to me, but everyone makes their own life choices, I guess. Um, love is love. The anthology raising money for victims of the Pulse massacre nightclub shooting um, has made. What was it? Uh, I forgot how much money. $165,000. Has made $165,000 for the victims. So that's after all the other expenses. This is what they've been able to donate to charity. It's really great. Um, And it's published by IDW. It's published by IDW and DC. And DC co-published. And co-published. Okay. Uh, Yeah, IDW and DC work together on it. It's a nice book. Excellent. I personally own it. I endorse it. Give it a look. Cool. It's very cute. Um... And Amazon has now offering some comics bonuses. So they really are trying to drive people toward Amazon Prime and toward their Amazon Prime channels. And they have an Amazon Prime channel called Anime Strike, which is... Anime Strike? (laughs) Yes, it, it is their uh, little anime channel where you pay them five extra bucks a month on top of your Amazon Prime, and you get a big boatload of anime, almost all of which is very, very teen boy. But hey, if you're a teen boy, that's great. Um, and now they're throwing in an extra sweetener. Every month, you get a free monthly manga with your Amazon Strike subscription. And it's not just any manga. It is a manga related to whatever the most popular anime of the previous month was. So these are some big sellers. Yeah. And um, I'm sure if you like Anime Strike, this is... This is a, a great add-on. Heidi's providing anime sound effects. Yes. And if you, even if you don't have Anime Strike, but you... But you do have Amazon Prime. I want to hear you talk in a crazy anime voice. Mm-hmm. Or Amazon Prime student, you get free books and comics, which oh. even I did not know about as an Amazon Prime holder. Um, if you go to Kindle Prime and you have Amazon Prime, there is a wide variety of books that you can quote unquote borrow for a while to read and these include 
at least 20 very popular graphic novels, including, among other things, Lumberjanes. Who cool. knew? Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds great. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know I'd get Amazon Prime for it, but it's a nice little extra. Yeah. And clearly they are starting to realize that uh, people like to get comics as an extra. It's a good sweetener. That's why Amazon is going to rule the world. Mm-hmm. They probably are. Listeners, I know, I know. We mentioned my favorite thing is monsters a lot. <laughs> but we do have new news about the um, smash hit graphic novel is optioned by Sony after a bidding war, which is unusual for an indie graphic novel like this. And it may be coming to a cinema near you. All right. Well, and on that note, there will be more to come. <laughs>